I'm excited that Jesus is very, very real and very wonderful and honest. What he said goes in my life and in the life of this church, but we're people who are a work in progress. We've based our whole year's teaching on the words of Jesus, his teaching. And so we're going to go right to it, if you will, with me. Go to Matthew 25, and it's going to be 31 through 33. This is a series we're calling He Will Separate, and this is where it comes from. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man, he's referring to himself in the third person as the Savior of the world, because he is, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. He will separate. He's the judge. He's the king. He's got a throne. And he gets to judge. And he will. He separates people from one another. On his right hand, he has the sheep, and those are his followers. On the left are the goats, and those are the people that don't follow him, don't believe him, don't want him. And he separates them. And last week I told you that sheep, for the most part, by the very nature of who they are, who they are, designed to be animals that want to be cared for. If they get a dry place with some food and shelter, they're usually going to stay there. Sometimes they wander, but mostly they like to stay there. Goats, on the other hand, no pen can hold them in unless they want to be or they're tied down. And so I offer up to you that Jesus knows who they are because he's the one that separates them. The goats are separated to go to hell. The sheep are separated to go to heaven. Even that statement in and of itself seems kind of funny and weird. But why do you think people don't want to talk about hell? Let's start with Christians. Why do Christians not want to talk about hell? It's It's super uncomfortable. Hard to prove. prove. Unless, what, like you've been there or maybe... (laughs) No, 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 not you. Come on now. (laughs) Carol, come on. (laughs) It's not what I'm saying. We don't understand it. There's a lot of imagery and symbolism, and it's hard to prove. Jesus, in his first century contemporaries, talked about hell a lot. There was imagery. They have Gehenna, which is a picture of this valley of Hinnom where they had baby sacrifices way, way back in the day, and they used it as a kind of dump, and it was this ongoing fire there and some say that there was carcasses that were thrown there from sacrifices some people said that there was the dead bodies that were sacrificed or that were crucified would go there or just the everyday death that people weren't able to actually bury their loved ones whether all that is true or not there's a lot of history on that that valley was true Jesus metaphorically talked about that but that wasn't hell 
He talked about fire, and he talked about darkness, and he talked about Sheol, which was the grave, and that's separation. That's death. He talked a lot about it. Some 32 different references in the Gospels alone, either directly or metaphorically speaking about that. A ton of his parables, you guys, ended with death or life, joy or pain, heaven or hell. And yet we don't want to talk about it for the reasons you guys said, and some of us don't believe that God's like that. He loves too much. God is love. He wouldn't separate. He wouldn't send people to hell. Okay. The world doesn't really generally have a hard time talking about hell because they kind of mock it. Let me read a little something for you. Living easy, loving free. Season ticket on a one-way ride. Asking nothing, leave me be. Taking everything in my stride. Don't need reason, don't need rhyme. Ain't nothing I'd rather do. Going down, party time. My friends are going to be there too. Yeah. I'm on the highway to hell. And they repeated a bunch. Verse 2. No stop signs, speed limit, nobody's going to slow me down. Like a wheel, going to spin it. Nobody's going to mess me around. Hey, Satan, paying my dues, playing in a rocking band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on the way to the promised land. Whoa. Anybody? ACDC. Highway to hell. No problem talking about it. They have another song that they sing about it. There's a lot that is mentioned about hell in 80s butt rock. (laughs) There's a lot that's talked about. used to be like at a, a big tent revival, which I think there might be one happening in startup, or any good God-fearing Baptist preacher back in the day was hellfire and brimstone. As my dear friend Jim Phillips reminded me, you don't need to scare the hell out of people. You need to scare people out of hell. And so there was a lot of preaching on that, but not very much preaching on hell. C.S. Lewis, amazing author, Theologian, former atheist, said if there was one doctrine I could stop talking about, preaching about, it would be hell. The problem is Jesus didn't not talk about it, so I'm going to. He talked more about life than hell. I talk a whole lot more about life than hell. I probably pandered to the idea that people want good rather than bad. But not everybody, I mean, just in the title alone to ACDC song, Highway to Hell, Jesus said it's a wide road that leads to destruction. What do you think he was talking about? A bad limp for the rest of your days? 
Well, destruction, uh, that's just kind of metaphorical. Everybody's going to struggle. This is the only hell anybody's ever going to know. And then when they die, they either just become worm food or they get raised up into this wonderful, joyous place where you can eat all the carbs you want and there's no problem. Because <laughs> that's God and he's love and he wants good for everybody. Oh, I believe he wants good for everybody. He also knows that not everybody wants good. Hey, friend, you know, literally, can we just talk about this from an etymology standpoint of the word good? <laughs> Do you know that God is the root of the word good? When people say they want good, do they know they're saying they want God? Maybe. But as all of this is just being unpacked in an intro, I will say this. Francis Chan, in his book with Preston Sprinkle, and I'm like, you got to be a fighter if your name is Preston <laughs> Sprinkle. <clears throat> He's a great theologian in his own right, but they wrote a book called Erasing Hell. And it comes off of a universalist view that there is no hell, there's just suffering for a long time until you get it right. And then you're in, eventually, because you're going to be made pure and holy. Refined even by the hell fire. And you know, if Jesus would have taught that, I'd love to teach that. Because that sounds a whole lot more friendly and kind and loving until you recognize that justice has been put on all of our hearts. Many of the people that say they don't believe in a long-term real hell are people that recognize that prisons are here for a reason. And people should pay for their sin. They wouldn't call it sin. They'd say, crimes. And we recognize that there has to be something. But if I was God, you're not. I'm not. I wouldn't do it that way. That doesn't sound like how God is. But Francis Chan's like, we're not God. And this isn't just about doctrine. This is about destiny. Where you're going to end up. And it's heaven or hell. So what else did Jesus say about hell? Staying in Matthew 25, I read all of the 31 through 46. I'm going to read 41 through 46. Now he's talking to the goats. Next week we'll talk about what he said to the sheep. We'll talk about heaven next week, and we'll talk a little bit about heaven and hell on the final week. And I'll just remind you. This is Jesus, and I believe him, and I preach him. And sometimes I do it well, and sometimes I have people going, what? I'm working on it. Matthew 25, 41. Then he, Jesus, will say to those on his left, those who didn't believe him, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. 
Then they, the ones he's talking to that are going to be cursed and separated forever, will also answer him because the ones who took care of people and fed them and all that said, what? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison? But these goats say, and we didn't minister to you. When did we see you? If we would have saw you, we would have took care of you. And he'll answer them, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment. We heard the words already in verse 41, eternal fire. This is eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Again, more on that next week. Look at these words really quick with me for a second. Eternal fire and eternal punishment. What do we understand about the word eternal? It's a long time. Forever. Nice. It's eternal. I love it, man. Didn't you do that last week? You like defined the word with the word. Good job, though. It works. This is forever. And yet people debate that a bunch. Really quick, let me talk about fire. This is one of the images that we have of hell, the, the flames, and maybe even you've got the devil with the pitchfork and the ears and the little tail that's weird. And it's just so common. We understand it. Nobody wants hell and fire. That's terrible. Is it just an image or is it actually how it's going to be? We find out that there is a lake of fire, and we'll look at that in a little bit. At least 20 times Jesus refers to hell and fire together, or hell as fire. Here's a couple. I am not giving you all the things Jesus said. My live it out video, I'm going to ask you to go look up a bunch more. But Matthew 13, 40 through 43. This is, again, explaining a parable. Most of his parables, I started to understand, were a picture of heaven and hell. He actually talked about it a ton because he wanted people to wake up. He wanted people not to go there. I don't want people to go there. I know that people are experiencing it now, but I will say this, and I'm going to say it again later on in the message. Right here, what we've experienced in this world, as difficult as it is, as painful as it is, as tiresome as it is, as boring as it is, as dropped from the perfection that it's supposed to be as it is, we still have the goodness of God all over the place. When you can list the things that you think are good, and you can thank God for it. Sin isn't one of them, so don't thank God for that, because it's not good. It separates you from God's goodness. But he warned people all the way through, and I get a chance this morning to warn and to remind you as well. Here we go. Jesus was asked, hey, explain the parable of the weeds Really, really quickly, weeds and wheat were growing up looking the same. Hey, should we just uproot all of it and burn the weeds and keep the wheat? And he's like, no, let it happen. We'll separate it in the harvest time. There is going to be judgment. 
And so they're like, please explain it to us. And so here he goes, Matthew 13, 40 through 43. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. If some of you are freaking out because you're like, I'm not perfect. These are people who do not want God. Not sometimes, but as a lifestyle. And unless they repent, this is what happens. They will be thrown into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. More on those later. Then the righteous will shine like the sun of the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. That's one reference to fire. Matthew 18, 8 through 9, we have another one. Here again, he's talking about woes and the problem that sin is and the temptations to sin. And he says this to people, and it's very, very, very straightforward. To take this literally is not what Jesus is teaching. To take it seriously is what he's teaching. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, into the hell of fire. There again is a word. Again, I told you, Gehenna, um, Hades, Sheol, different words that Jesus uses for hell. What is this fire? At the very minimum, I'm going to tell you, I'm not totally sure. A lot of the Bible talks about what it could be. A lot of theologians, Bible teachers, all that say, oh, I think I know what it is. I know for sure it's punishment. I know for sure that it's God's wrath. Not, again, something that's pleasant today. We, yes, there's so much trouble today. Why would you tell people bad news? Because until we wake up, that's all we got to look forward to. And I don't want to play games with that. And sadly, I have. Here's some other pictures that Jesus has given. We've read a little bit of it, but I'm going to throw these three words up there for you. And thank you so much, Mindy. Darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Again, these are images of what hell is like. I've had a hard time trying to reconcile how can there be fire and darkness at the same time? Um, God can make that work. I trust that. But I think that there's these pictures here. God said, let there be light. There's no such thing as darkness to God. Everything is a light to him. But for us, darkness even go all the way back to the Israelites. They were put outside the kingdom into outer darkness. They're like, you're separated. You're out. You're away. And it's dangerous out there. Revelation talks about that as well. 
kingdom of light is Jesus' kingdom. And heaven, New Jerusalem, again, we'll get way into that next week. Those things are lit up by Jesus, not by fire, by Jesus. I think they can both coexist somehow, but I also believe that these are images. And they're not good images. Well, I kind of like the dark. Bad stuff happens. I can do bad things. I kind of like the dark. I sleep better that way. Think about that just for a second. People love the darkness, but many of us are afraid of it. Weeping. That seems pretty self-explanatory, but let me break it down for you. (laughs) It's harsh and it's hard. There's crying. There's like awareness now, like, no. What happened? There's gnashing of teeth. This one could be anger. It could be woe. But oftentimes, it's the gnashing of teeth. And who are they gnashing their teeth at? Anybody? God. We don't want a boss. Unless we were looking for somebody to blame. We don't want to be told what to do. And he's like, if you don't want me, that's what you get. Listen to this. Our nature as sinners is to get away from the holy. All this, fire, darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth, is get get away. First two people, Adam and Eve. They did great until they didn't. They ate from the tree. They saw that they were naked. And when they heard God walking in the garden, they didn't go, can you help us? We screwed up so bad. Please forgive me. I mean, that lady's a jacked up mess, but can you help her too? (laughs) They didn't do that. What'd they do, friends? They hid. It's a picture of darkness. That's a picture of getting away. And that's what people want. I'm here to tell you, I don't think hell's going to be able to get away. So often I've told people, and I repent of it this morning before you, that hell is a separation from God. Kinda. It's a full-on separation of his common grace and his goodness and his provision. That will not be there. But as I've studied this for too long, and I changed this message five times, And John's like, why? What is going on? I'm like, I don't know. I'm overwhelmed by this. Troubled by it. I'm thankful that I'm not going to hell. But I'm not contented to say, I'm good. Good luck. We have these beautiful doors on the front of this building. They were made by two dear friends, amazing craftsmen, out of rafters from a 
home in Seattle, an old home, and they were gorgeous. They didn't have handles on the outside. They didn't have emergency hardware like you're supposed to have. And though they looked cool, they kind of had a go-to-hell look to them. <laughs> and when we found out that they were indeed not code, like a little quick word from somebody giving me a heads up, we, by the grace of God and provision through you all, we provided those or they were put in and we've got this door so we can have egress and we don't get closed down. We don't want people to die. We don't want to send them to hell. We don't want to ignore them. We don't want to look away. We don't want them to end up for eternity gnashing their teeth in the darkness, weeping with fire, whatever way all that is. We don't want that. I don't want that. I'm really convicted by the fact that there are times, and this is unbecoming of a Christian, much less a pastor, but there are times when I'll say, either in my head or even out loud, what the hell? <laughs> Pray for you, boy, here. I don't just repent of that before you. I've repented of that before the Lord, and I'm going to work on that because hell's not something to be trifled with. I must move on. Matthew 8, 11 through 12. This is one more passage. Coming off of Jesus seeing the faith of a pagan, non-Jewish Roman centurion. He sees that he believes and is a God-fearer and sees that he has faith. And after talking about what kind of faith he has or he's seen in this man, Jesus says this, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking to Jewish people about table, this time of fellowship, this communion table, this opportunity to be forever with the patriarchs of their faith and their people from outside of the kingdom of Israel because they will believe and they will be with Yahweh forever. While the sons of the kingdom, the people who grew up Jewish, grew up knowing the good news, will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to get to it. This is going to seem a little bit deep. And I've had somebody call me out on it like literally yesterday. Why would you talk about the Greek language if you don't have it like understood and you don't speak it? Because this is what it was written in. And there's a lot smarter women and men than me that have written these things out for me. I'm not an expert in Koine Greek. It's not even spoken anymore. But it was during their time, and they have all kinds of historical documents that they can look back on it. And so I want to look at those two words that, that we saw before, and I'll start with this. We're two different phrases. Eternal punishment. Eternal. Ionios. 
Can you say that with me? Ionios. This, uh, you can see in there the A-N, okay? That is like, or A-N-O in particular, Anyo, right? There is these words that come from the Latin and the Greek. And this is one of those. Ionios means lifelong, everlasting, eternal. People have argued for years and years and years. This isn't going to be a forever. This is going to be a really, really long time. Ionios can mean that. But on punishment, it's Colossus. Colossus, right? But it means, among other things, pruning, training, correction. But the three times it's used in the New Testament mean punishment. Punishment isn't corrective in those ways. Punishment is definitive. You are being punished. We're like, no, 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 God is good and we're good parents and we punish or discipline our children. Yes, there is those kind of things that happen in the Bible, but for eternal punishment, Ionios, forever punishment isn't correction. Hey, I'm going to let you go through this for what's going to seem like an eternity, but it's not, and you can get saved. I wish, honestly, that that's how it could be left, but it does not fit. Whatever it is, it's a long time of punishment. And Jesus is saying, I don't want that for you. He's saying it's going to happen. There's going to be judgment, and I'm going to judge it, and I am putting you there because you want that. People are like, they don't want hell. They don't want God. And if we don't want God and we continue to live that way and we die that way, we don't get him. We get his wrath. I told you last week you can either have him as Savior or you can have him as judge. And here's the crazy thing. If your eyes are open and your ears are open and your heart's open, you'll submit to him. A Savior and Lord and Redeemer. And you won't have to live forever apart from him as judge. R.C. Sproul, in his book, Unseen Realities, says, All of the imagery our Lord uses suggests that it, hell, is a place we don't want to go. It's a place of unspeakable pain and torment. That's what I've had to land on after months of looking at this and really years of looking at it. It's like, this is not good. Hell is not good. It's not just like a a stopover. It's a a rough place for a while, but boy, you're going to be okay after a minute or a lot of minutes. Why would he warn people so much? Just because he doesn't want them to suffer? Sure. He doesn't want them to be separated from grace forever doesn't want us to be. So again, in an effort to to finish, I'll ask you, and I'm not asking you to answer this because I'm afraid what you might answer, to be honest. Who's going to be in hell? Me? Nope. No, I don't want you to answer. Them? I don't want you to answer that. Jesus has already answered it. We're going to see in the the last book of the Bible, 
Revelation 20, 10 through 15. Some other people, as you're turning to that, who's going to hell? We found this out already from the mouth of Jesus, the devil and his angels and those who don't want Jesus. He also said in Matthew 13 that causes of sin and lawbreakers are going to be there. Again, if you're sitting there like, I've blown it. I struggle with same-sex attraction, but I really love Jesus. What am I going to do? Am I, am I going to hell? Am I going to hell because I don't actually do all of what I'm supposed to do on my taxes? Friend, I'm not Jesus, but I'm here to tell you, if you're worried about things that you've done wrong, separating you from God, and you want to repent of it, and you find yourself trying to repent, and then you're going back, and you're back and forth, you're probably not somebody who hates God. You're somebody who loves yourself a bit and how it feels to do your thing your way, and then you go, gosh, it doesn't work. Please forgive me. Bless you. Father, forgive me. I, I'm wrong in this. Repent and keep repenting. Keep turning back. Keep growing. I will say there's enough question in my mind. If you continually stay stuck in something and you don't want Jesus enough to get out of it, what's going on? It might be an addiction. It might be an addiction to being in charge. And you may not want God. So repent and turn from it. Ask for help from Jesus, from his people. But this is like the whole blasphemy of the Holy Spirit thing. If you're worried about did you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you probably didn't. You didn't attribute to Satan that only that which God can have. Authority, power, life. I hope the guys from ACDC changed up or whoever wrote that. And I've heard a lot of different things. Oh, they were just kind of joking. It's not funny. Promised land, that's attributing to Satan that which is only God's. That's, I mean, it's just blatant. And they made a lot of money on it. And they, apart from Jesus, will go to hell rich. So, other than the devil and his angels, and those who don't want Jesus, causes of sin and lawbreakers, here's who's going to be in hell. Revelation 20.10. The devil, we just heard that, who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet... Two others, where they were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Anybody want to know what word that is? Mm -hmm. We have this eternal life thing that we think will be forever, but eternal death and separation isn't going to be? Come on, friend, you can't have it whatever way you want it. That's us trying to be in charge, and he will take your repentance right now. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, this is Jesus, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. 
I said it last week. I missed it earlier when I was talking about the you didn't feed these people, clothe these people, visit these people. You cannot earn salvation, but salvation is going to come out of you. You're going to do these things that honor Jesus. It's not like, gosh, I didn't even know it. I mean, you might find yourself more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, more sensitive to wanting what he wants for you, less inclined to just go and do your own thing, nastiness that it might be. I'm getting hit really hard this weekend on how oversensitive I am and how frustrated I can get when things don't go the way I want them to go. I know I'm not alone, but I'm the only one that's me. So I'm getting reprimanded by God because he loves us. And he refines us. And it's not all about us. It's about him. But he includes us to be forever with him. Or warns us to be separated forever. At least from his goodness. Fireworks. (laughs) That is not what it's going to be like in hell. Not that I'm aware of. I, I never read that anywhere in here. It's so much fun. It's a party. All my friends will be there. I hope not. I hope you won't be there. Here we go. So he says, according to what they've done, what they've done with Jesus, they're either in or they're out. They're in a book that says nope or a book that says yep. Yeah, there's only one book that says yep. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged. Each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades, thrown into the lake of fire. Death, hell, the grave, all of that, all that picture. Separated, done, over with. Thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Who's going to be in hell? The devil, his angels, and those who reject Jesus and his grace and kingship. I didn't have time to do all this, but I'll tell you, go look at the banquet parables. Invited, love you, want you to be here. It's so great. Oh, I got a wife. I've got oxen. I've got things. Or I RSVP'd, but I'm not coming. And so Jesus says at the end of that, those ones aren't getting in. They said no to my grace. There comes a time where you can't say, I didn't mean it anymore. While you're breathing, dear friend, if you're watching online, while you're breathing, you can repent. You can turn back. He warns all of these people with all these things. So how do you move towards Jesus? Some of you are like, I just don't even know if I believe Jesus is real. I don't know about this. I think the earth is flat, whatever your thing is, whatever it might be. I would say, how do you move towards Jesus? You maybe do what other people have done in their lives. Uh, If you're real, open my eyes and my ears. If you really want to to do that, then ask him. Maybe that's your move. I would love for you to go a lot farther than that. The next thing you can do is literally confess that he's the Lord. You don't know all of it because you know he's the Lord and you believe that he died for you and he rose from the dead to save you from God's wrath. Hell is hell because God's wrath is there and there's no break from it. Discipline here is different than hell. Suffering here is different than hell. It never stops in hell. 
And so repent. Come to Christ. Confess that he's the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. Not just from hell, but from you and the, the power of sin over you. God will keep giving you that victory. Some of you are sitting here right now. And you're like, I got all of that. I don't, how do I move towards Jesus in this? Should I talk about hell more? Yeah, maybe you should. Maybe you should ask some people that you know and that you love, what do you think about heaven and hell? For some of you, you need to actually do that. I have a very, very abbreviated quote that you're going to see on the screen, but I'm going to read a little bit before that. Ken Gillette is a known atheist, performer, author, and I can't remember, it was 2011 or something like that. There's a video on YouTube, and you can go see it, and we have a link for you to go see it. But he talks about a man that came up to give him a New Testament, a Gideon New Testament, after one of his stories, or one of his shows. And he said, I don't believe any of this. But I think it was wonderful and beautiful that he did that. And this is what he said, and then you'll see the rest of the... I've always said I don't respect people who don't proselytize, which means evangelize, share their faith with others. I don't respect that at all, he says. If you believe there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I don't know that I, this is his quote, and I don't think you hate people. I think you probably love them too much because you're afraid to offend them. Ask them if they understand that like, life apart from Christ may seem fun or whatever now, although it really isn't. But eternal life apart from him isn't life. It's death and it's nasty and it doesn't stop. And ask them to look into it, because while they're breathing, they still have a chance. That might be your step, is that you even say, hey, can we look at this video of this atheist? He literally wrote a book called God No. And he says after this in the video, he goes, that didn't change my mind, because he's nice and kind. But if I believe that somebody is going to get hit by a truck and die, and I keep telling them that, and they don't listen to me, he says, there's going to come a time where I tackle them. And friend, I'm just saying, you don't have to tackle people. You don't have to just put like little flames in their yard and say, see what's going to happen. <laughs> you don't wake up in the morning next to somebody who you love so very much and go, oh, smells like sulfur. <laughs> that could be you forever. Don't be stupid about it, right? But, like, be real. Like, do you know? Do you believe? And they're like, ah, I don't think that's real. Okay, then Jesus, who's all kinds of proven, was off. And his father should have rebuked him for teaching bad teaching. But he didn't. We have it today. Yes, I'm more excited about next week's message. But if I'm so bold as to say this, I think this message is more important. Those who are with Jesus want Jesus. And heaven will be that. It'll be an extension of the best possible day here where you are feeling so close to God. 
times a million. I'll say this as a quick little intro to next week. There's been tons and tons of doctors of theology that have been asked what's heaven like, and they're like, I don't really know, but this is what the Bible says. It's even better than we could think. And I'm here to tell you, if the images that Jesus just gave us and what we just barely looked at are what hell is like, I think hell's worse than we can imagine as well. And I don't want that for nobody. So Jesus, in your name, I pray for salvation. I pray for eyes open and ears open. I pray for repentance. And I pray for faith that leads to life as a gift from you. I pray, Lord, for those of us who are sitting here going, I don't know if my loved one is in hell or not. May we not pretend, but may we also not be the judge. May we entrust the judging to you and share with people what you say. There is a way that seems right to us, but in the end it leads to death, destruction, hell. But Jesus, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. May we see people follow you, love you, and make you known. May we make disciples that make disciples. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.